You are listening to the Manifesting God podcast with your host, Marie Elizabeth. This podcast will uplift and thrust you into the manifestation of the promises of God in your life. Good evening, everyone. You are listening live to the Manifesting God podcast. Thank you so much for joining me on this evening. Couldn't get it to show up on social media, but I got you here on Podbean. Thank you for joining. Come on, let's get started here tonight. I want to talk to you uh, briefly. I want to talk to you about speaking up. Today, again, is Monday, and I thank you for joining me. Get over to Esther 3. Let's start there. Let's start there. Let's start there because we're finding today that we have an issue with claiming our rights to the kingdom of God, but claiming to be of the kingdom of God. Everybody knows Christ. Everybody is an apostle, a prophet, a pastor, a teacher, even an evangelist. But not many of us can call ourselves wholeheartedly Christians. Why is that? Because we don't speak up. We don't let others know who we are. And then when we finally decide to speak up, we're labeled hypocrite because it's too late. The damage has already been done. But let's look at our example today in Esther 3, where it says in verse 12, then on the 13th day of the first month, the royal secretaries were summoned. They wrote out in the script of each province and in the language of each people, all of Hammond, who was an enemy of the Jews, by the way, his orders to the king's satraps, the governors of the various provinces and the nobles of the various peoples. These were written in the name of King Xerxes himself and sealed with his own ring. Verse 13 says, dispatches were sent by couriers to all of the king's provinces with the order to destroy to kill, to annihilate the Jews, young and old, women and children on a single day. The 13th day of the 12th month, the month of Adar, and to plunder their goods. Now let's skip down to Esther 4 and 14. Oh, Esther 4 and 6, let's go to. So Hathak went to Mordecai in the open square of the city in front of the king's gate. Mordecai told him everything that had happened. This was this was Esther's caretaker, told him everything that happened to him, including the exact amount of money Hammond had promised to pay into the royal treasury, into the royal treasury, where am I at? Into the royal treasury, uh, for the destruction of the Jews. Jews, verse eight. He also gave him a copy of the text of the edict for their annihilation, which had been published in Susa to show to Esther and to explain it to her. Esther was whom Mordecai raised. Her parents had passed on and he raised her as his very own daughter. And he said, he said, and he told him, 
to instruct her. He gave her instructions. He instructed her to go into the king's presence to beg for mercy and plead with him for her people. For those of you who don't know the story, she was she was indeed a Jew and she was Mordecai's adopted daughter. She was she was raised by him. The king found favor in her. She ended up in the king's palace and um it had come a time where Haman, who was their enemy, who had decided he wanted them extinguished from the earth. He wanted them killed. So he uh, spoke to the king and the king gave him permission to send out an etiquette in his name and say, you can go ahead and not only kill them, but take all their stuff. Anything that's left, take it. So now we have Mordecai who is telling Hathak, who is Esther's king keeper in the king's palace. He's telling her, telling him what's going on so that he can tell Esther. So Hathak went back and reported to Esther what Mordecai had said. Then she instructed him to say to Mordecai, this was her response. Verse 11. All of the king's officials and all the people of the royal provinces know that for any man or woman who approaches the king in the inner court without being summoned, the king has but one law, that they be put to death unless the king extends the gold scepter to him and spares their lives. But 30 days have not passed since I, I mean, have passed since I was last called to go to the king. When her words were reported to Mordecai in verse 12, verse 13, he said this. He sent back this answer. Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of the Jews will escape. And then he said in verse 14, for if you remain silent at this time, he said relief and deliverance for the Jews will arise from another place, but you and your family and your father's family will perish. And who knows, but you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. And that's key right there. And who knows, you have come to your royal position for such a time as this. If I could see you all now and I could say, ask the question, uh, raise of hands, show of hands, who believes that they are in a royal position right now? Who believes that they have been appointed by God, predestined by God to do what they are doing today, to be where they're at today, to serve in ministries as it were, as they do today? I'm sure a lot of hands would go up. Not very many hands would be down unless there were visitors, guests who had not yet come to know the Lord. But for those of us who know God, we understand the royal positioning. We understand that it is by God's grace that we are saved. We understand that it's by his blood that by his blood that we are here today, that we are have even been offered the gift of salvation alone, alone, which gives us a royal position. We have 
access to the promises of God. We have access to the King of Kings, to the Lord of Lords. We can go to him in prayer and we can make our requests known unto him because we are royally positioned. I don't doubt that not one hand would be down if I were to ask that question. However, However, there comes a time when the royal position must be claimed for someone other than ourselves. It comes a time when the royal position or the person that has been positioned cannot stay silent, cannot stay silent and let the world go on around them and those who don't know better we won't advise them towards better instead we'll talk about what they're not doing better we'll talk about what they're not doing that's not godly but when we have their ear we won't even tell them the truth the truth and mordecai is saying here to esther you are in a a royal position for such a time as this to what save lives save the lives of god's people how many of you know that that royal positioning part of you being in that position part of you having that very image that god created you in it makes it gives you it 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 appoints you as one who can save the life of another It appoints you as one who can save the life of another simply by telling them the truth. Simply by telling them that they are constantly running into a big brick wall, those that are running into a brick wall, that if you just turn to the left slightly, you can reach your destination. How many of you know that the royal positioning is not just for you? It's not just for you to receive the benefits. It's not just for you to receive the promises, but you have been positioned to save many alive. This is your time. This is your time. And and guess what? If you're looking for your platform, if you're looking for your mic, it's with you every single day. Every single day when you step out into the world, when we go into the workplace, when we go into about our daily activities, shopping, uh, preparing, we run into so many people, or should I say, we pass by so many people in the course of our day that we won't even open our mouths to show some semblance of God, to speak some semblance of God so that another might be saved alive. This is your time. This is your time to open your mouth. This is your time to what we're talking about today, to speak up. See, you're positioned so that relief and deliverance can come to others. There should not be a day that goes by that relief and deliverance didn't come to somebody in your presence. That hope didn't come to somebody who's been in your presence. That healing shouldn't come to someone who's who's been in your presence. Otherwise, why have you been worldly positioned? 
Why do you have that authority? Why do you carry that image if not to provide relief and uh, and and deliverance to other? See, if we're if we're checking the boxes, we have to understand that everyone first John one uh, first John five and one says everyone who believes that Jesus Christ is born of God and everyone who loves the father loves his child as well so if we say we love God and we understand that this the, the people in this earth are God's creation then we owe them due diligence lest they say they don't want to know Lest they say that they don't care, lest they say they don't want our God, but we don't even give them a chance to even say that. Why? Because we don't want to be rejected. Because we don't want to be pushed aside. Because we don't want to be known as the crazy one. Because we don't want to be the ones to tell them the truth. Listen, there are benefits to being worldly positioned, but to telling the truth, maybe not always. Your benefit comes or your gifts come from God for telling the truth. But people may not always want to hear the truth. And we know that, so we keep our mouths shut. But it is our turn. It is our time to speak up. And verse 2 and First John 5 says, this is how we know that we love the children of God by loving God and carrying out his commands. Can we even, through our royal position, say that we live in such a way, we have such a way of speaking that we're easily identified by others as those who are carrying out the commands of God so, so, so they can trust us? to give them the truth of God through which they can receive that relief and that deliverance? Are we they? Are we they that can, uh, that, that, listen, if I came on some of our jobs today, if I met some of your friends, would they tell me that that's a holy woman of God when referring to you? Would they say that that's the holy uh, man of God when referring to you? Would they be ones that, you know, say, I just love being in that person's presence because they're always so hopeful. They're always so joyful. And I, I could be feeling in despair and they know how to lift me up and they know how to, to, to tell to tell me my strength lies in God. They know how to encourage me. Are you that one? Has your presence spoke for you? Other than your words, has your presence even spoken for you? See, because verse five tells us in first John and five, it says, whoever it is that overcomes the world, only the one who believes that Jesus is the son of God. So belief plus that love plus obedience to God's command is what's making us an overcomer somewhere in there, somewhere in that belief, somewhere in that love, somewhere in that obedience to God's command should be that overcomer bubbling over bubbling over and spilling over to the people that we come into into contact with day by day but are we speaking up 
Are we saying what needs to be said? Are we encouraging others in God? Are we lifting the spirit of depression off folks? See, because that's a form of healing. Are we healing those? It's our presence as we walk by healing others. Is our presence as we speak healing others? Is our obedience to God's command? Is it healing others? Is it delivering others? Is it positioning others to deliver others? Come on, the Bible tells us that one can chase a thousand, two can chase 10,000. Are you that one is what I'm asking. Are you that one? Are you that one? Let's be clear here. The beginning of wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is simply to get that understanding. But we also have to understand that wisdom is going to cost us. It's going to cost us. That means that we don't get to sit in our shell, our shell of a holy life and never open our mouths, never speak up so that others can come to know God. When, ladies and gentlemen, are we going to speak up or are we going to continue to let the world make a mockery of Christianity? Are we going to continue to allow the world to make a mockery out of living holy? Are we going to continue to allow the world to make a mockery out of not committing fornication, not committing adultery, not being a liar? Are we going to continue to allow the world to bring shame to Christianity because we won't speak up? Because we won't protect our royal position. Because we will not allow God to use us. Listen, the Bible tells us we don't even have to give a lot of thought for what we're going to say when we come to these places where words are needed. God will give us what to say, but are we even willing? Are we even willing to open our mouths? Are we, listen, the beginning of, of wisdom is this. Go to 1 John 5 and 6. Let's go here for a minute. This is the one, 1 John 5 and 6, it says, this is who, the one who came by water and came by blood, Jesus Christ. He did not come by water, but by water and blood. And it is the spirit who testifies because the spirit is true so we don't have to work hard we don't have to work up a testimony of who god is we don't even have to work up a defense of who god is we can just tell the truth through our experiences what have you experienced today that god himself can use as a testimony see because god himself testifies of jesus christ in verse 9 it says we accept the human testimony but god's testimony is greater because it is the testimony of god which he has given us about his son verse 10 says whoever believes in the son of god accepts god's testimony whoever does not believe that god 
has made him out to be a liar. Whoever does not believe God has made him out to be a liar because they have not believed the testimony God has given about his son. Decision time. You know, I'm always going to go back to this. Decision time. What exactly do you believe? Do you believe God? Do you believe God's testimony about his son, Jesus Christ? Because if you believe it, if you believe it, it is not difficult. It is not difficult at all to explain to others what exactly you believe. In simplicity, I believe that Jesus was born. And I believe that he's the son of God. And I believe that he was born in the flesh to, to the virgin mary she had never had sex had never had children and the holy spirit gave her the gift the gift of jesus christ that she birthed i believe that he walked this earth as a child grew into a man i believe that he died on the cross for me and then i believe that he got up on the third day and he's in resurrected form sitting at the right hand of the father and he's praying for me right now He's praying for me right now. Can we just, can, do we at least have that defense? Do we, are we at least able to say what we believe? Are we at least able to say why we believe it? Why do I believe that the gift of salvation is mine? Why do I believe that that's a free gift given to me by God? I believe that salvation is wholly mine. It's a gift to God. It's my, I'm sorry, it's my gift from the Lord Jesus Christ to me. It's my gift of salvation. All I have to do is accept it. All I have to do is believe it. All I have to do is believe that he gave me this gift. Okay, now, well, how about, how do you, how about living holy? Do you believe that's necessary? Do you believe that you, uh, that you must live holy? That you must live godly? I'm answering some letters right now. Yes, I believe you must live godly. Yes, I believe you can live godly. But yes, I believe it takes practice. Especially when you are in the world and you're coming from a completely different context. It's not a thing that is going to happen naturally for you. It is not a thing that you're going to just do. You have to remind yourself. You have to practice it. This is why we read the word of God every day to remind us of God's testimony of who Jesus Christ is to us. Remind us of the promises that we have through our belief in Jesus Christ. Now, after a little while, living holy no longer seems as difficult. Yes, you will always be challenged, but living holy will not always be difficult because some things become eventually second nature when you make up your mind and when you accept it in your heart that some things are off limit to you, but you must first receive God's testimony of Jesus Christ, and Jesus will help you. He gives us grace. The Bible tells us grace will teach us. I taught that some time ago. The Bible tells us that we have the gift of the Holy Spirit that will guide us and bring back to our, our remembrance everything that we have read just when we need it. 
just when we need it. All we have to do is ask. All we have to do is ask. You know, I see people throughout the course of my day, especially on the job, that are going through different things, and they say that they're a Christian, and they say they need help in X, Y, and Z. And yes, we pray with them, but I also tell them, open your mouth and tell God what you want because the Bible tells us in verse 15 that we know God hears us and whatever we ask, whatever we ask of him, he is willing to grant it to us. He tells us there is no, there's a father on earth wouldn't even give his son a rock. When he asked for fish, a father on earth wouldn't even do that. How much more will God, our heavenly father, do for us if we just ask him and then guess what even when we ask him we only need the faith the size of a mustard seed that's a quarter of a quarter of a quarter of a size of a pumpkin seed that we need that much faith just believe that much that god hears us that god will answer our prayers and then wait and then wait for him to do so. We're so impatient. This is why we leave our royal position. You know, Esther ended up going back to the king and she did plead the case for her people and Haman, the enemy, heck not Haman, he was hung. He was hung for him. Yeah, it was him for his cruelty towards the Jews. He was hung just for his proposed cruelty to the Jews. She was able to rescue them and save many alive by just speaking up. By just speaking up. How many people have we let die because we wouldn't speak up? How many people that we have we let just go by the wayside because we just wouldn't simply tell them the wrong way? You're going the wrong way. We wouldn't tell them that they're going the wrong way. We wouldn't tell them that they're headed down the wrong path. You know, we understand that they're not, I just read that scripture, they're not in first John in five, first John five, they're not of God. So we expect that they don't want to hear that. We expect that they don't, they don't want to, they don't want that particular truth in that moment, not in that moment. But can I tell you that? I have seen folks' life turned around because at the end of the day, when they went to reconcile their truth, they might have been nasty and said, I don't want to hear that, Maria. I don't care about this, and I don't want to hear that. And somebody told me that before, and that didn't work before. But when they reconciled their truth, with my royal position, when they reconcile that truth, they seen me living a holy life. They seen me uh, even on days that I didn't feel well, still encouraging them. They seen the consistency. So they begin to look back at the end of their day and they begin to reconcile their truth and they decide to believe again. They decide to trust one more time. One more time, I'm going to trust. And can I tell you of the testimony that I hear that God has indeed turned things around for them. He turned it around for them just because they were, just because of the character in the royal position that has been displayed throughout a lifetime for them, throughout their time of knowing me, for them, just for them, 
God was able to turn it around. He was able to turn it around to the point where they were able to hear him again and receive him, even though maybe in the past they didn't quite receive it because the deliverer had made the message of God null and void through their lifestyle, through their practices, through their character, but through a, a proper royal positioning. And even though Esther was about to get into that, she was about to say hey listen basically she said you're on your own if i go to the king he's gonna kill me mordecai basically had to shake her and say so what so what if he kills you wouldn't you rather at least try to speak to him on behalf of your people or is it or is it okay that since you're in the lap of luxury that we all die that we all that we all be taken advantage of, that all our goods be taken from us so that one you can live. See, this is the world today. Everyone is protecting themselves. At the core of it is protecting yourself. The goal is, for, I don't speak up because I must protect myself. I must protect my goods. I must protect my home. I must protect my family. I must protect my money so we don't speak up. We don't, we don't want to speak up because we don't want to lose what we had. She initially did not want to speak up. Talk about Esther here. She initially did not want to speak because she didn't want to lose her life. This is a selfish generation. This is a selfish people of God today. Everyone considers themselves first. That's why the church is in the mess that it's in, because everyone takes care of themselves first. I take care of my family first, my children first. Everything is, you are, listen, we, we keep putting ourselves first. That scripture is going to be our proverb that says the first shall be last and the last shall be first. We're going to be replaced. God has no need for a people that always want to put themselves first. We are to put God first. God will take care of us, but it is our job to take care of his people. Everyone in the earth room, he's created. Now, if they made choices towards the world, if they've made choices towards Satan, then that was their choice. That does not mean that I cannot tell them the truth. That does not mean that I can't speak a word of healing over their lives and turn them from the enemy to God. But see, today, again, we're all so selfish. Everyone is out for themselves. Everyone is out to take care of themselves. Again, this is why the church is in the fix that it is in, because of leaders who want to just only take care of themselves. They don't want to do what the Bible calls us to do, to take care of the widows, to take care of the orphans, to make sure that the house of God is kept up, to make sure that the uh, priests are provided for the Levitical order, the songstress, the, the, those that work the temple are provided for. We don't want that. We don't care about that anymore. So the issue becomes we stop caring about the things that God cared about. Because when we stop caring about the things that God cares about, we stop speaking up. 
There's no more outrage as long as it's not touching you and your house. There's no more disappointment as long as it's not touching you and your house. There's no more, there's no more um, concern over the body of Christ as long as it's not touching you and your house. You don't care about your, the widows and orphans that are not eating as long as there's food in your house. We don't care anymore about those that don't have clothing, proper clothing or proper homes as long as it's not my house. That's all we don't care about. It. All we care about is ourselves. And so God is calling for us today to release, to release, because we have to release it, that spirit of selfishness. Because that's what's consumed us to the point that we don't want to speak up. That's the that's what's consumed us to the point where we fear our lives are in danger. Our livelihood is in danger. So we won't speak against anything that we believe is not godly. But what we have here is a church that is no longer the bride of Christ. We have a church now because we won't speak up that is no longer. How about this? How about this? We have a pulpit that is no longer longer pulling people up from the pit to pulling the people up instead now it is the pit we are we are no longer we are no longer rescuing those that god has sent for us to rescue because oh god you might make me drown you i'm trying to pull you out and you're fighting me you're about to make me drown well i think they won't be pulling you too much hard if you grab them by the neck and pull them up and run for it but we won't, we won't, we don't want to exhaust ourselves. I don't want to exhaust myself. I keep telling you the same thing over and over again. You're not hearing me. You're not hearing the word of God. You're not hearing the truth. So go on about your business then. Oh, well, I hope you make it because I'm exhausted. I'm exhausted. So I can't bother with telling you the truth anymore. I can't bother with wrestling with you anymore. I can't bother with it because I'm exhausted. We're selfish. We're selfish. And God is calling for repentance. He's calling for repentance from those from the spirit of selfishness. Because Jesus gave his whole life so that we might be saved he gave his whole life so that we might be purified he gave his whole life so that we might have salvation and he's even still sitting at the right hand of the father asking him to give us another chance give him give him another chance give him another chance he's asking him to give us another chance but we take we take our breath that he gives us in the morning his breath that he gives us in the morning and wakes us up we take that for granted and we go about doing the same selfish acts again over and over and over again over and over and over again so god is calling for repentance God is calling us to repentance. He is calling us to repentance and asking us to get back in our royal position. He's not going to pull you, but he is saying to you what Mordecai said to Esther. Okay, but this is the time. You were royally positioned for such a time as this to save many lives. You were royal, You were put in that royal position so that you could provide relief and deliverance. And now I'm looking for you to provide that relief. I'm looking for you to provide that deliverance. And here you are telling me you're tired. Here you are telling me you're frustrated. 
Here you are telling me that you don't want to be bothered. Here you are getting frustrated with the people that I sent you to provide relief and deliverance to. That's what we're saying to God. That's what our selfish behavior is saying to God. And God is calling for repentance today. Because guess what? He's saying, just like Mordecai is saying, um, help will arise from another place. Now, if you're too tired, let's be clear. Help will arise from another place. If you're if you're too frustrated, you don't have time to keep repeating the same thing over and over again to those I sent you to provide relief and deliverance to. Well, then guess what? I, I'll send somebody else. Help will arise from another place. I'm not going to let them die because of your selfishness. I'll let you die because of your selfishness. So the choice is ours today. You know, I'm always going to come back to a choice today. Repentance is being it's being proposed. It's on the table from our selfishness. And can we can we wake up tomorrow when God gives us, loans us, lends us a small piece of His breath and go to work? Can we open our mouths and speak up? Because there are those that are waiting for relief and they're waiting for deliverance. And if we don't bring it, it will come from another place. Oh, God said, I ain't going to let them perish. Not because of your selfishness. But we're, I'm, I'm asking you nicely to retake your royal position and provide, provide to my people the relief and the deliverance that I've put on the inside of you. It is not yours to ration out. It is not yours to give it as you see fit. It is not yours to decide when you're going to give it. See, we, we're so haphazardly with the things of God. We're so haphazard with the things of God. We take it for granted. We take it for granted. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy to do what God tells you to do. There are times when I have to do things or be places at times that I normally, my body would normally be shutting, shutting down. But that's why they make Starbucks. And that's why Starbucks makes caramel macchiatis. Amen, somebody. That's why he makes them so that I can get the energy that I need to do what needs to be done. But I dare not look God in the face and be like, I, I just don't, I'm, I'm tired of doing this. I'm tired of saying that. I'm tired of being this way. I'm tired of going there. I'm tired of doing this. Not with his breath. How honorary is that? It's his breath. And I'm, and I'm telling him what I feel like I'm going to do with it. I'm telling him what I feel like I might want to say with his breath. I think we done gotten a bit arrogant. We've gotten a bit prideful, along with selfishness, that we feel like we can tell God when we are and when we're not going to do something. That we can tell God, well, I'm exhausted because you haven't done it yet. I'm exhausted because you haven't healed me yet. I'm exhausted because you haven't provided for me in the manner that I feel like you should yet. I'm exhausted because I feel like you're not hearing me. I'm exhausted because you haven't fulfilled your promises to this one and that one yet. I'm exhausted. So because of that, I've decided that I don't want to do this anymore. Well, then God can decide that I don't want to give you my breath anymore. Make your decision today. Make your decision today. And repentance is required.
That's part of the decision. I choose to repent from the acts and the willfulness of selfishness. And I've decided, I've decided under the grace of God to allow the breath of God that is in me to be used for him. So I choose to provide relief and deliverance to those that God puts in my presence. When he tells me to open my mouth, I will open my mouth. I will never get tired of repeating the same thing over and over again to the same person if I have to. I'll never get exhausted. I'll never get exhausted with healing. I'll never get exhausted with delivering. I'll never get exhausted with what? The truth. The truth. I will never get exhausted with giving others the truth that is all that i had for you tonight so let's pray at this time let me pray for you before you go father god in the name of jesus i thank you today for life for health and for strength i thank you for peace i only kneel before you and i repent now for the spirit of selfishness the spirit of pride and arrogance and those who are under the sound of my voice I repent for us today, God, and we humbly yield. We kneel at the altar and we yield our gifts to you. We yield your breath in us back to you. We give you glory and honor and praise, and we thank you for keeping us this far. We thank you for your patience with us. We thank you, God, for grace that teaches us. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit that will guide us and lead us into truth and right standing. I thank you, oh God, you're pricking our hearts now that we will continue to delve into the word of God, to understand what you require of us so that we not allow ourselves to be moved from our royal position again. We thank you, oh God, for giving us another chance. We thank you, oh God, that destiny and purpose is still ours. We give you glory and we give you honor because you're our Lord and you're our Savior and you're our deliverer. And we give you all glory. God, we repent. Jesus, we repent. We turn around. We turn around. We turn around from the spirit of selfishness. We turn around from pride and arrogance. And we walk towards humbleness. We walk towards relief and providing deliverance from those you call us to. And we thank you, God. We thank you, God. We thank you, God. And we give you all glory. Thank you all for joining me on this evening. Everyone, have a good evening. If you'd like to donate to this podcast, I am on Cash App as Marie Elizabeth and PayPal and Venmo and all that good stuff. Uh, Feel free to donate to this podcast. I do appreciate you. Sorry I couldn't see you online tonight. It's not working now, but I am here on Podbeam and I'll see you on next Monday. Everyone, have a good evening and thank you for joining me.